You're listening to DraftKings Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to Mystery Crate, everybody. My name is Roy Bellamy, and in the Zoom is Chris Rittenham, Billy Gill, Jessica Smetana, and Chris Cody. What the hell are we doing, guys? What the hell was that pronunciation? Yeah, Smetana. That was, I that liked was, there it. was like a. Smetana. Yeah. That was a Chicago. That was my Chicago accent. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Smetana. Yeah, it was like you were doing the Da Bears commercial, guys, and, and, yeah. and pronouncing it. Those guys have names, right? What's the most Chicago thing that I say? Have you guys picked up on it? Because I know what it is. What is it? Oh, th- there, there, there are several things that, that bring out the, oh my God, that, that's one that you do. That's uh, it. That's uh, it, Woody. You got it. Nailed it. It's anything with long eight calendar. I, I, get, I hear like a calendar every now and again. Long A's, <laughs> long, long A's I, I hear them a lot. I, I try mm-hmm. not to pick up on and make you self-conscious, but I hear it a lot. Can we tell the audience about your calendar issues that keep happening oh, behind the scenes? <laughs> oh my. Okay, oh I'll I'll explain. So my calendar is calendar somehow defaulting to the <laughs> Levitard show calendar. So I keep putting things in my calendar and it's showing up on the show calendar. So I've had like doctor's appointments and reservations at restaurants and like phone calls and like all of this stuff in the show calendar. And then Billy and Mike will be like, I see you're getting dinner at such and such on Saturday. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Uh, it seems like you got rid of it though. I don't, I don't, I don't see it here anymore, which I guess is a good thing. But I uh, hope so. yeah, yeah, we 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 knew where you were going to dinner on Saturday night. I was like, this isn't supposed to be here. I think the first time that that got abused that I that I know of, I think Mike put in the calendar like some shoe release yes. was coming out, some Nike shoe release, oh, I and we're looking that. at it, we're going, what the hell is that? Is it, who? Is that a guest? Who is that? And and it, it was like some some Nike release, and he wanted to make sure he was in the sneakers app in time. Well, and it was one of those things that no one wanted to ask. You're like, did we miss something? Like, are we supposed to know what's going on? I think he's going to be on vacation. Is this a guest that he booked? Does anybody know? And everybody assumed someone else knew what was going on. <laughs> and then, like, eventually we looked it up, and it's like, oh, no, these are like Shooter McGavin special edition shoes yes, that are being that's released. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And, and and the funny like we have a bizarre workflow in that we don't just ask hey what is this we go oh well that person must know and that person must uh-huh. know that per- like there's like a series of assumptions that lead to mass confusion instead of just going exactly. hey mike what is this <laughs> i'm dying to find out how jess's banana republic call goes i'm not gonna lie like i she may have taken it off of the show calendar i put it on my own personal calendar like check in and see how this call goes guys there is such a good backstory to that but i'm i i can't say it i can't say it on air like I, oh, wow. I, it's there's too much shame and sadness involved but the backstory is really good i sadness. promise one day one day when I get over this current dilemma that I'm in, I will tell everyone and it is it is depressing. Hmm. 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 Huh? Speaking of sadness, 
My dad's bowling game is terrible. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't believe that. Can't be worse than mine. That's true, Roy. That's probably true. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to agree with me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I imagine, Roy, that you bowl a straight ball and you throw it really hard. I do. Yeah. With a heavy ball, too. I'm, I'm with him as well. I don't, know, I don't know how to do the curving thing. The, the really? wrist turn. I can't do it. Oh. I mean, I'm sure if I was taught, I could, but I, I, at present, I cannot. Roy, why would you go with the heavy ball if you can't really control it? Like, why don't you just go with a lighter ball that maybe you have a little bit more, you know, like leeway with mm -hmm. a little more looseness? Why do you have to go? Is this like a thing where you like go and you're like, I need everybody to see that I'm grabbing the heaviest ball on the rack? Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely like is embarrassing if you like, well, first off, there's also the dilemma of how big your fingers are because the smaller you're going, like there, there isn't big enough grips if you're, if you're going too small. So that, 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 that's a concern, but also, yeah, like you don't want to grab the smallest, but I don't know, I guess it's uh... I have long, but my fingers are kind of thin, I think not, not, not as big as Chris or Billy's on thing. Damn right. What do you, or, or Woody's you do index or Jessica's. middle thumb. <laughs> On the bowling ball, I'm kind of seeing how you were kind of gripping. Oh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, in, index, middle, thumb, yeah. Oh no, I do, I do the two middle and then the thumb, and then I have like the, like yeah. the, the like the Texas Longhorn situation Same. going on Same. outside. Horns down or horns up? I don't know. Oh, it's this. So it's 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 middle middle ring thumb. That, that's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, and then you you kind of like balance it in between the the pinky finger and then the like index. No wonder finger. you're terrible, Woody. You would think that, you know, before they give you a very heavy object to hurl towards a set of bowling pins, that they would teach you how. But it really is kind of a figure it out as you go. I was never, I never learned proper technique. I was never coached on how to, there's a lot of things that as in life, we just get chucked into the deep end on and you just figure out how to bowl. Here's this heavy object, throw it. Figure out how to be a parent, yeah. yeah so how, how does axe throwing work? Has anyone here gone <laughs> axe throwing? Like, is Transition. there like an intense, well, no, because I'm wondering like, so he's right. That's another th thing, yeah. You're throwing like a, like a 15 pound stone, basically, like a rounded stone down like this wooden lane. And it's like, well, hopefully you don't kill anybody, which you shouldn't because no one should be over there. But like axe throwing is the same thing. Do they just give you like four axes? Like, all right, go knock yourself out. Try to hit a bullseye. Never been, but I think they give you like a little tutorial. I think they show you how to do it so that you don't accidentally hack your own head off. And then mm. two shots of whiskey and then you're good to go. I feel, right. <laughs> I feel like any activity for leisure that involves maybe chopping your own head off leisure. is not an activity for leisure. Just, you know, I, I, I went to a gun range and they didn't uh, do any tutorials. Luckily, I already really? knew how to use Jesus. Guns. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I already knew. There's how just how an to assumption that you know how to work a gun. Yeah. 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 Luckily, you already knew. Luckily, I already knew. My hmm. dad is a really good bowler, um, segueing back to bowling. And he his average is like a 185 or something like that. Wow. Like he's pretty good. He almost bowled a 300 once. I think he ended up bowling a 299. Oof. He almost had a perfect wow, game. Pressure got to him. Wow. Yeah, he missed one pin on the last frame. <sighs> That's and devastating. It is like, I think his greatest shame that I am not as good of a bowler as he is because he hmm. is phenomenal. That is about 272 points better than me. <laughs> Your best game is a 22? Just about. 27? Yeah. It can't yeah. be. It, That's it, bad, if, if it's that low, you'd put the bumpers out. Like, yeah. you, like you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. The lowest you can do is like a fifty-eight, right? Yeah, I would. I would never put those bumpers out. Really? really? No. Why? There's a lot of gutter balls. A lot of gutter balls that uh, accidentally hit the uh, one or ten pin. 
or the seven or ten pin. That's how you bowl a twenty-two, I guess. Yeah. But, no, but but that's but that's sad. No, you get the bumpers out if you're that bad. Like just it, it, <laughs> at, at that point, what's the point man. of the activity? Just to be miserable? Like just throw it straight yes, out of play every exactly. time? Uh, you exactly. Ever, Roy, oh, you yeah. ever get the little slide where you roll the ball down the slide? Yeah. You ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. No. I know. I know oh, I know. why not? <laughs> Wow, he set us set us up there. Yeah, those are for like ten or under. <laughs> now we're discussing bowling because we have an upcoming guest that is a professional bowler. But Chris has also begun. We're operating in a beer, le- not a beer league, a bowling league. <laughs> well, it is a beer I, league. Presume, it is a beer league. Yeah. I presume beer yeah. is consumed. Uh, yes. t- tell us, Chris, about your bowling exploits. You know, my first league ever. <laughs> ten weeks in. Or what are you laughing at? Exploits there? <laughs> nah, you know. Uh, I'm doing okay. I started off the season. It's a 10-week season. I'm doing week 10 tonight. I started out really well, and I haven't bowled good in three weeks. Mm. I, I'm struggling. I, I've been struggling to break 120 the last oh, few wow. weeks after I went. Like, I was over 170 for a few weeks in a row, and I'm just all over the place. Too many beers, probably. Where does 120 put you, like, in regards to the other bowlers in your league? Well, like with handicaps, everybody ends up being around the same, but our team has really high handicaps. We're like, we have the least amount of scratch pins in the entire league. Like everyone on my team has like a 70 handicap, 60, 80, and there's a bunch of teams with a bunch of like scratch golf, uh, golfers, uh, bowlers who get like 10 pins, but then they are really good. So that's why we lose no matter what. You know, one of the worst parts of social bowling is the eating. Yeah. Is the eating because like, if you go get wings or you get pizza or whatever, then it's kind of like, what are, am I going to wash my hands? Cause you want to wash your hands, right? Whenever it is that you go. You got to eat with your pinky and your forefinger, right? Cause the well, other ones do go that? in the ball. You just got to go like, or just like- you left, you left, like, you know, right hand bowling, left hand mm, eating. That's kind of the way I do it. Uh, I would never trust bowling alley food. That just seems, uh, that seems it's like it's terrible. below strip club food. Well, what? It seems, it seems bad. Why? It just seems seedy and just disgusting. Seedy? Scurrilous accusation. You love seeds. You used to have a cup where you just eat every day sunflower (laughs) seeds, and you you had a spit cup in the studio. You guys remember that in the old studio, Roy's spit cup? That was Mm -hmm. kind of, I'm not going to lie. That was weird. As an intern, I remember seeing like, I had, there was this guy here, and he just kept spitting into a cup. I'm like, what is going on here? How is this like a professional yeah, environment? Yeah, why, why, why are you uh, bringing up old shit? Professional environment? Yeah, spit cups don't seem like something Wait, that happened. Wait, crazy? What show you think you were working on? I mean, I don't know. I used to put on pants to show up. That was, for me, it was a professional environment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Talked about masturbating to share today, guys, because I don't know <laughs> if we have any like moral high ground to stand on. Right. <laughs> yeah. And stand or an elephant. So Erin McCarthy is a professional bowler and she joined Billy, my dad and myself. And we had a fun conversation about bowling, but she's also a nurse. So she's been kicking ass, obviously, the last few years. So we talked yes. to her about all that. Yeah, yes, I knew that was coming. So here it is. Cast. We are celebrating Saturday is International Bowling Day. And what better person to have on than Erin uh, McCarthy of the Professional Women's Bowling Association. Um, I want to talk to you about what it's like to be a professional bowler, but your other job is probably more important. You're a critical care nurse in the time of COVID. So um, we want to ask you about that, too. And, uh, and, and thanks for all you're doing on that end of it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Obviously, being a professional bowler, and, and you're successful when you've won a couple of 
PWBA titles, I think. But do you, do you make a good living being a bowler, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think I'd make a better living if I did it 100% of the time. Uh, but like you said, I balance, I basically balance my life between two different professions. Right. So if I if I devoted 100% of it, there are women that um, they definitely make a living doing bowling. But um, I kind of like my job back home, having the, the health insurance and the benefits as an extra perk too. So um, it kind of alleviates some pressure for me as well. You know, I don't, I'm not so focused on, on getting that paycheck every single week, which I think kind of helps me in the long run. So I like balancing between the two. What is it like um, on tour when you, when you are bowling? Um, do you like travel by plane, by car? Do you pay for your own hotels or is that paid for by sponsors? Like I know nothing about the, the lifestyle of a pro bowler. Yeah, so we have our sponsors um, that help us with jerseys and equipment and bags and that uh, sort of thing. And then on the PWBA tour, we have a, a semi-truck that takes our equipment from city to city. So we don't have to worry about transporting our bowling balls. Bowling is um, a lot like golf. We don't just have one or two balls. Um, we have anywhere from nine to 20 bowling balls out on tour. They do different types of things. Jeez. Um, because a, a lane pattern is is also kind of like a golf course. I don't know. People follow golf a little bit more than they follow bowling, so it's an easier right. analogy. But um, you, know, you can have different volumes and lengths of oil patterns, which dictate which bowling balls you use. Um, so that helps with that. And then in terms of travel, I fly to most places unless I can drive. Um, a reasonable amount of time for me is probably eight or nine hours just so I can get back for work if I needed to get back for work. Um, and then each of us kind of have our own either roommate or groups of people that we've um, just stayed with over the past couple of years since the relaunch of the, the women's tour back in 2015. We kind of split costs with that. And then, um, you know, if, if it's considered a business um, for tax purposes and whatnot, um, that's just kind of what we what we do. So we do pay for our, our travel and our expenses and whatnot, but our sponsors help us with the equipment and that sort of thing. Do bowlers have... Um the equivalent of a, of a golf caddy. Do you have somebody uh, with you uh, assisting, like telling you, uh, geez, the lanes are really oily today. You need to use this ball instead of that ball. Um, we do have, they're, they're called uh, ball reps. Um, they're, they're sometimes, they're doing more than what they were originally intended to do. Um, they're not only an extra set of eyes that kind of help us um, see the lane and, and see different types of, um, I guess, things that we need to do to score better, if you will. Um, but they've also kind of been in a, an emotional support person for many people out on tour as well. They weren't originally made to do that. They're just supposed to be there to, to help be an extra set of eyes. But um, you become pretty close to them and you you bounce ideas off of them and you talk when you're off the lanes, too. And they become um, they become friends almost in a way. Now, I don't know if you're in the market for a new one, but I am a Thursday night bowling league bowler, you know. And, right. you know, I got like a 170, 175 average. Uh, I only have one ball right now in the arsenal. I'm working on getting nine. But uh, <laughs> and I don't want to just turn this into, hey, can you make me a better bowler? But uh, the Brooklyn, which is like for, for you, uh, not I'm a bowling guy. That's why I know what that's called. Why don't you describe what a Brooklyn is, actually? Yeah. So if you're a right hander, Brooklyn would be hitting uh, basically the left hander's pocket. Yeah. And if you're a left-hander, the, the Brooklyn or crossover would be hitting the right-hander's pocket. Now, do we look down on the Brooklyn? Like, you don't I, ever get a Brooklyn, right? A Brooklyn. I know. We, we get Brooklyns out on tour. Um, it, sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's laughable. It kind of just depends on the situation. I think if you're going head-to-head with a person and you throw a Brooklyn to, to go ahead in, in the match or the game, it's 
a little bit embarrassing, but at the same time, you're like, well, at least it happened to me instead of, yeah. instead of the other person. First of all, uh, I'm bold with uh, the other gentleman in the Zoom right now, and I would bet big money that he is not averaging 175 <laughs> in his bowling league. I met I, ev- I met every two games. If you add up my <laughs> scores and combine them, I'm averaging 175. Okay. Right. Now, Aaron, um, I think I saw on the set you're averaging more like 215, which is – imagine that being your average. My best game in my entire life, and I'm old, was a 222. So to average 215 is unfathomable. How me. many perfectos you got there, Aaron? Um, I am not very good at keeping track. Oh, I God. Between 20 and 30. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere around there too. Wait a minute. You have bowled between 20 and 30 perfect games? I think so. Um, you'd be surprised that I would say that I'm on the lower end of the, so, the really game. no professional bowler has not bowled a perfect game, correct? Um, there's there might be a couple of them out there. Um, just had bad luck in the tenth frame or the twelfth yeah. frame, I guess technically speaking. But yeah, there's probably a couple out there that haven't had one. Do you, what is the pressure like in that tenth frame? Like, do you still get that pressure, or have you bowled so many that like it doesn't really affect you? Um, I think it depends on the situation. Like in a professional event, uh, you know, I still get the nerves and I still I still want that 300. It's a little bit more prestigious at that level. Um, in league, I don't get quite as nervous anymore. You always have like a different type of feeling, you know, going for 300, but it's not quite as um, anxiety-ridden and feeling. Aaron, when you um, – I don't imagine this happens very often with a bowler of your caliber, but when you do have the, the rare 7-10 split – uh, is that something you actually expect to convert, or is that nearly impossible even for a pro? No, it's pretty It's pretty impossible. It's all luck. There's people yeah. that do make it, and it's kind of weird. Like, if you go center to center, some of the pins like to kind of bounce out of out of the back almost, which is where people kind of get lucky in making the 710. But it's the statistics, I don't have them, but they're very low on, on converting the spare. Tell us about... Um... Uh, your nursing career, how that happened and, and what you're involved with exactly. I, I understand you're a critical care nurse, but I'm not 100% sure what that means. Yes, yeah, so I work at um, two different hospitals. My primary job is at Nebraska Methodist Hospital here in Omaha. And then I also work at Nebraska Medicine, um, which is right down the road. And I, um, at Methodist, I work in what's called an acute care position. So I float between the emergency department intensive care unit and progressive care. It's kind of wherever they need me for that particular shift. Um, And then at Nebraska Medicine, I work in their medical intensive care unit. So I see a lot of um, very sick patients. And fortunately, unfortunately, I'm not sure which one you want to go with. But in 2020, um, both of the units that I primarily worked on uh, flipped to COVID only units. So that was um, pretty much my focus for all of 2020 and the majority of starting of 2021. You know, much like my coworkers, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. You don't know. You don't ever expect that you're going to be in the middle of a, a pandemic caring for the sickest of the sick. Um, but that's, yeah, kind of what I've been doing for the past year and a half. And then I've been at Methodist since 2014 and Nebraska Medicine since 2017. I would imagine that um, being a critical care nurse um, in normal circumstances uh, can be a, a, an emotional roller coaster. But in the time of COVID, uh, that's just magnified. Um, is yours a job that um, can be both uplifting and heartbreaking? It, it strikes me that there must be all kind of emotional highs and lows from what you do. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially over the past, you know, since COVID has occurred, you know, before COVID, you'd have families that would come into the hospital that would visit their loved ones, you could communicate directly with them. And there would be success stories where, you know, super sick patients that you would think wouldn't uh, be able to walk out of the hospital, they do get to leave the hospital. And then COVID kind of changed everything, you know, you couldn't have visitors, um, you were communicating via iPads. Um, oftentimes, the patients that I cared for were on ventilators, so they couldn't communicate themselves. Um, they were super sick. And, you know, you'd have to tell families over the phone that, you know, their loved one might not make it, but they couldn't necessarily come to the hospital just because of the times that we were in. So I think that was the most difficult thing is just using a, an electronic device to explain the the severity and the, the scenarios of what was going on. You know, that's not what we do as as nurses. We're, we're people type people, you know, we're used to talking face to face and, and, you know, showing empathy and sympathy and to have to do that over an iPad or over a telephone. It just, it changed everything. Transitioning back to uh, a little bit more of the fun here. Now in, when you're bowling in the PWBA, give me the top three reasons that bowl, not necessarily you, just bowlers get mad at each other during a game, like unwritten rules. Like, are there issues like this? Or are you guys all such pros that you don't really cross lines? Um, there's not a ton of issues at the level that we're at. Um, I would say like, I guess if, if you get irked off or, or mad, it'd be, um, if other bowlers are getting pretty lucky breaks and you're just having one of those days, you know, that's frustrating. You don't want to let it be frustrating, but it is. Sometimes people can be pretty slow and mm. just slow the entire pace of competition down. Um, that can be frustrating depending on how you're bowling for the day. But I would say those are probably two of the biggest ones. Um, otherwise we're pretty, pretty much on the same page and pretty professional on that. That type of thing. Well, just us a couple bowlers talking here. What really m makes me angry on Thursdays is when old Doris over here, uh, the lane next to me, starts moving a little too forward when I'm still at, like, you know, in my... See, I don't even know if you guys have... Do you guys even have the ball returns or do the balls just like float down in front of you? I wish <laughs> they floated down in front of us. Okay. Uh, we do have the ball returns, but we have a very... Um, it's a specific... You know, when you're in league, it's expected that it's one lane courtesy. So if, yeah. if you're up the rule, the person next to you is not bowling to the right or to the left. That's um, what I'm trying to say, Aaron. And it, you know, yeah. Doris over here doesn't really abide by these rules. Yeah. Um, fortunately on, on the professional tour, we do abide by all of those rules. Uh, yeah. I haven't had many instances where, where that type of thing has happened. So, so I'm so, watching you Doris. So you're a professional bowler and yet you bowl in local leagues with people who average a hundred pins less a game than you do. She probably just used to. Um, no, I actually still bowl uh, in league. I don't bowl full time because it's hard between my traveling and. Uh, but dad, that's where the handicap comes in. I don't mean to interrupt you, but like she would get no pins, and someone who bowls a one twenty would get ninety pins. So it becomes like an even. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure Aaron is still dominating out there. I'm just saying <laughs> that it, that's what the whole handicap situation is for. Dad, dad you used to be a league bowler. What's happened? What's wrong? You forgot? I, I just I haven't league bowled in years. But anyway, <laughs> you must be the ringer then, right? Like every team in the league oh, wants yeah. you on their team. So I actually bowl um, with people that I've grown up with and I've known for probably 15 to 20 years. So they're, yeah, I would say an equal caliber as far as averages go. Wow. Um, we actually have one it's called a scratch league so no one in the league gets handicapped so everyone is oh. on the same level playing field so I, I should join a scratch league yeah yeah you'd get buried in a scratch <laughs> league by the way um well by the way do you have, um, are there any tour spots uh coming down to florida anytime soon because my thursday night team yeah we have some weak links <laughs> um not this year hopefully next okay. year well you know we'll stay in touch and you know yeah. 
Sounds good. I think you could probably crack the team. I'm not sure, but I'll get back to you. I'll give it a go. Okay. Aaron, um, we're uh, we're celebrating International Bowling Day, which yeah, is we Saturday. Are. How do bowlers celebrate International Bowling Day? Well, I mean, you got to go bowling. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, <laughs> that's one of the dumbest questions I've ever asked. <laughs> um, it always struck me that women bowlers and, and male bowlers should be equal. Um, like, is that the case or... Is it, a, is it a strength thing where the men just have a natural advantage? So we actually throw the same weight of bowling balls oh. for the most part. Uh, most of the women throw 15. There are a couple, one or two, that actually throw 16 pounds. That's not super common on the men's tour either, though. The, the normal weight or average weight, I should say, is 15 pounds. But in terms of strength, you know, the men obviously have more, more power. Um, so they can do different things with the bowling ball, um, unlike the women. And then I think in terms of like sponsorships and viewership and whatnot, I think if you were to compare men's sports to women's sports across the board, not just with bowling, they, you know, fortunately, unfortunately seem to get more um, publicity, more sponsorships. That's just kind of how it is at this time. You know, one day, hopefully it's, it's equal across the board, but right now that's just not, not the case, unfortunately. What's, um, what's a typical ball speed for a, a pro like yourself, 15, 20 miles an hour? What do you throw? Um, most of the women, myself, I throw anywhere between 15 and 16 miles per hour. Um, I would say the average for women range anywhere between 13 and 18 miles per hour. And then on the men's tour, it's anywhere from, I would say 15 up to 20, 21 miles per hour, depending on, uh, what they're bowling on. How often are you using the little air conditioning thing on the ball return? Um, pretty frequently it gets it gets really hot when you're bowling spectators are normally freezing and then the rest of us are just sweating. So what would be the, uh, the effect if, um, if you wanted to establish yourself as the hardest throwing, uh, professional bowler on the planet and all of a sudden you just started throwing like a 28 mile an hour ball, like How a seven pound out? ball. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a child, like a, a feather light ball that would just 30 miles an hour down the lane. I, uh, I think I'd need a new arm. Yeah. For starters. <laughs> <laughs> I've, all, um, I've always wondered that. I don't know why. You've not always wondered that. I'm yeah, calling BS on that. I think you I've just wondered start... that too, Aaron, honestly. <laughs> like, is there more value? Because I guess if everybody throws around the same speed, like, what if you just became the hardest throwing bowler? And <laughs> wow, you're, you you're, want this. your average goes lower, right? But you get like the notoriety of like, oh my God, like, Aaron throws 30 miles an hour. Like, she'll bowl a 120, but throws 30 <laughs> miles an hour. Is there value to that? Uh, I guess it just depends on, on who wants to follow it along. <laughs> How do we feel about midnight bowling, music playing when with bowling, party atmospheres around bowling? Is it's it some... graceful. Wow. See, I, I'm a fan of it. I like the louder the music, the better. How do we feel about this, Aaron? I don't mind the music, but the, I guess if I'm if I'm just bowling for fun, Mm-hmm. That's fine, but it's it's hard for me to, to bowl for fun now. Yeah. If my friends say, hey, do you want to go cosmic bowling on a Friday night? I'd probably say I'll, I'll go to watch. Probably won't be throwing any balls down the lane, though. What could you bowl opposite-handed? Maybe a 100 average. <laughs> Not, Impressive. I could probably hit some pins, but my spare shooting would be very subpar. <laughs> Aaron, I'm uh, terrified by single-pin spares uh, mm-hmm. because, to me, that's when all the pressure is on. Um, if I, if you have a single pin spare 100 times, uh, how many times out of a hundred will you make that single pin spare? Um, I would hope it's above 90%. I think single pin spares in bowling are much like free throws in basketball. They just should be made. 
obviously sometimes they're not made, but you should have, you know, ideally a 95% spare average for single pins or better. Even that 10th pin? So even that 10th pin? I hate that 10th pin. Yeah, I throw, a, a lot of us throw plastic balls at the 10 pin. Yeah, what? I do too. No, 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 I do too. Yeah, yeah us, us good bowlers do. Yeah, we do that. that a plastic ball, what does that mean? Uh, so like if you were to go into a bowling center and pick up uh, just a ball off the rack, like a house ball that the center provides, there's no um, there's no weight block in the center of the bowling ball, so it won't hook. So it should huh. ideally go dead straight towards the pin. As That's here. why I'm not better. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I can make a, a house ball hook a little bit, Aaron. <laughs> you know what I hate, Greg? I hate when there's two pins left, but it looks like there's one pin left. Yes. Think that you got the one pin and then surprise, there's That's another the one hiding behind it. That's the worst. What's yeah. the worst? The what is the worst? What's your top three worst? That's the worst in bowling. Um. So do you, do you know the, the pins pretty well? <clears throat> I do, but you should tell them. Okay, so uh, a three, six, nine, ten. It's basically the mm-hmm. three pins on the side, mm-hmm. but then you have the one pin behind it, okay. like he was talking about. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a bowler's worst nightmare wow. during competition. I think. So you've had nightmares about that. Uh, the, the spare percentage is just low. It's not, <laughs> it's not where it should be. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably my most feared spare. Is there any way to carry your skills over to ski ball? Have you tried ski ball at all? I have tried ski ball. I like ski ball. Um, I'm mediocre at it. I'm not the greatest. You'd think I should be better. It's the ramp, though. The ramp really throws things off. Like, if there was that ramp in bowling, I bet you, you wouldn't be doing as well because you can't really predict the ramp. No, you're correct. Before we... ski ball? Oh, that's... You don't know ski ball? That it... The no, arcade. That that it's the arcade version with the circles. You roll the ball. Oh, and it goes yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know what it was called. Yeah. yeah. Dad, before before we let Aaron go, I think you're very proud of your bowling form. So I think you should like back up from your chair and show her like, you know, just a dry, uh, a dry run. That's what we call it. Right, Aaron. Give her a dry run of a swing and uh, let her evaluate it. OK, well, I'm, I'm wearing basketball shorts right now. I'm not really. They're proud blue. Of my They're always unpro- blue. Unprofessional They're gonna be blue. attire. Yeah. But um... imagine that they're blue. <laughs> All right. It's not a bad setup. Yeah, I mean, what, what is he? Hold it. See? There was like a double, a double thing. Yeah, he, he did a false start there. He, he, he <laughs> that was, he was nervous. He, the pressure got to him. That was, that was smooth. the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. But you know what the key to me, Aaron, is uh, the exaggerated um, arm thing after the, the follow release. through in the, in the, yeah. yeah. What would you rate that on a scale of one to 10? Give him about a seven. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wow, a professional bowler has given me a seven. That's on my tombstone. Put it on there. Aaron, one last question. Would you rather get a turkey or four strikes out of five, but it's broken up, but you have a spare in the middle? Because I feel like there's something to a turkey that I just like. Yeah, no, I'd rather have the turkey. Yeah, same. I also prefer house bowling shoes over like actual bowling Mm. shoes because I like the feeling of sliding, where I feel like if you get like your own personal bowling shoes, you don't have that same slide. Why is that? Uh, I think it's because the, the bowling shoes you get from the bowling alley, they're they're used, they're broken in. So the more you use them, the slipperier, the more slippery they get uh, on the bottom. So they make mm. you slide more. Mm. I guess you don't like the slide. No, I oh, don't. Sorry. I, I, I can do the moonwalk good in house bowling shoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, how did this go for you? Did, 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 was this okay? Yeah, this was fun. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Bye. 
The playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste or less filling? For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Roy, I'm going to go on the record and say that you've never bowled a turkey. Three strikes in a row? No. Yeah, see? That's sad. That makes me sad that you've never had a turkey. Oh, don't feel bad for me. I feel I'm I, I'm better in other things. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I can't think of anything right now, but uh, when I uh, think of something, I'll get back to you. Vacationing? Two years. Vacationing? I haven't had a vacation I don't know how long, so I wouldn't know. How are you as a vacationer, Roy? Like, what is your vacation like? Because coming up, Mike's going to tell us about one of his vacations. Yeah. But what is a vacation, Roy, like? Because I feel like maybe... You go into it and then you may be overthinking certain things or you may be like thinking like, well, I only have three days left. Oh, I really need to do this because I only have two days. And then you miss the whole time because you're worrying your entire vacation. <laughs> I feel like this is your vacation. <laughs> yeah, this is something that you are used to. Uh, I don't tend to worry about things when I'm not vacationing, let alone vacationing. Hmm. So uh, I think I'm good on that department. I think I just walk around. What was that? I think your guard's up. I think you're keeping your guard up a little bit. I think you do worry about things. If I'm going to no, be that's honest just with you. My, that's just my arm on my chair. Nah, my it's your, it's your, yeah. Listen, I've heard, I've heard plenty of stories, plenty of tales of you and your neighbor in a tree. So I think that there are things that worry you and bother you. Yeah. You know? He tells us that story all the time. You, you do tell that story a lot. I mean, the woman, the woman said... <laughs> Like she, she, she said to me, "I wouldn't lie to you. I'm a child of God." While lying to me, hmm. like why would I be angry about that? Huh. You know who else lied? Judas. He betrayed God. That is true. Hmm. Got getting biblical here on Mystery Crate. Mm-hmm. Getting biblical on your ass here. I bet Roy's fun on vacation because Roy, when he gets a couple drinks in him, is a yeah, good time. Yeah, yeah. I've Roy. never seen that. I've never seen it. You've never seen Drunk Fun Roy before, Billy? No, I've seen I've seen of it. Like I've seen videos yeah. and pictures, but I haven't seen it in person. Like I've never Roy's never really let his guard down around me. Yeah. And we shared a That's room. That's because I don't like you, Billy. We shared a wow. room together oh in Atlantis. God. That's right. He was wearing shorts around me. That's when you really <laughs> know somebody when you share a hotel room with them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever seen Roy's legs before. I've only ever seen I've only ever seen him in pants. I've never seen my legs. I've seen Roy in a speedo. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, there's that's that. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, it was yeah, impressive. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yes, it was. It was impressive. Yes. That's right. Waves in the sand. Yeah, it looked great out there. Oh, what are you talking about? Speaking of impressive, the service that Mike got in Tullum. <laughs> Tullum? How the fuck do you, you say you this place? Why do you keep doing Tullum? I don't know how to say I it I used yet. to just consistently say it wrong, and now you guys have me yeah. thinking. Like, So now I'm thinking before I say it Tullum. wrong. Still, you're still, still consistently saying it wrong. Saying it wrong. I know, yeah. but now I'm No, totally now he's inconsistently saying it wrong. He says it Tullum or Tulum or whatever. <laughs> Tulum. Tulum. That's where Mike was, and he had some crazy shit happen to him. Okay. That's the setup. Right. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Enjoy. That's the setup. <laughs> so, Chris Cody, a couple of weeks ago, you were envious of my trip to Tulum. Yeah. Which you kept calling Tulum. Whatever, man. That place needs to get over itself. Tulum? I mean, just the last year, it feels like everyone wants to go there. I had never heard of that place before a year ago. It, it is IG friendly. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. Did that. I see you climb a ladder to go like hang? Is there like a place where you can like catch some rays, but you have to climb a ladder to get there? <laughs> there was like a wicker man installation. You yeah. Know, I had to climb a ladder. To, <laughs> um, yeah. There's a whole bunch of IG photo hotspots. I mean, it's not the SeaWorld in Orlando. No, I mean, it's. But know, it'll do in terms down. of. How yeah. was SeaWorld in Orlando? I haven't asked you. Not since. as sad as I thought it was going to be. It yeah. was fine. My daughter loved it. So I guess that's all that Did matters. They, Oh, you I went love to a, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you. You. Did the, you did Aquatica too, right? Yeah. It was, it was good, man. And I, I have no negative words to say about it. But everyone was laughing at your expense. Yeah. It's a the, sad, it's just a sad place to say you're going. Yeah. You went on a family trip and yeah. I celebrated my 10 year wedding anniversary mm -hmm. with my wife. We did a getaway to. And you Tulum. were sending me pictures, just mocking me. And yeah. I, I appreciate it. But when you drove up to, you drove up mm -hmm. to Orlando, mm -hmm. you were able to get there, right? Mm -hmm. No, no hiccups. Oh, Correct. No, no blockades. No issues at the Yeehaw no, Junction. No, no, no. Nope. There wasn't a blockade at the Yeehaw Junction. Nope. Smooth sailing. <laughs> That's a good pull there, Woody. There <laughs> is, uh, there is, however, a story about that with me on my trip to Tulum. I put it on Twitter. I, I There's only one road for those that have ever been to Tulum. There's one road in, one road out. And the way that it works when you go to Tulum is you go to the airport, you fly into Cancun International, and you have to get a shuttle. And you ride out for almost a 90-minute to two-hour drive to Tulum. We are about 90 minutes into this car trip, and we run into bad traffic. Now, I don't, I've never been to Tulum before, so I don't know. I think this is pretty normal. Apparently, it's not. <laughs> and we were in our car for close to three hours. Whoa. And that was before we realized that we were going to be in our car a lot longer. Imagine it's packed in there, too. Yeah. So I, I for those that don't know, I, I'm Cuban. My dad was born in Cuba, but Spanish is not my first language. So I know I can get by with Spanish, but I'm not certainly what I consider fluent. And I've become very self-conscious because I don't want people to mock me when I speak Spanish. So I just kind of shut down. And I have a lot of conversations where someone's speaking to me entirely in Spanish, and I just speak to them in English, and we make it happen. It's not really so much an option in Mexico. I'm kind of on their ground. It's a road game for me, and I have to make do. <laughs> so I was able to communicate some with my driver, and I hear him on the phone, and he's like having a very impassioned conversation with someone on the other end of the phone. And he, sell, he tells me something along the lines of, someone's going to call you and that in Spanish. I'm like, Oh, what's going on over here? <laughs> this seems pretty bad. From and the hotel or just like someone is going to call you? From the shuttle service oh, is going to call me. 
So I'm trying to figure out what's happening. And then he just hands me a phone. Oh. And it's someone trying to speak to me in Spanish. And I'm understanding everything that they're saying, but I'm trying to fight through it. So basically what they're telling me is, sir, there is a protest. They're blocking the roads. Our driver has somewhere he needs to go to the, he needs to go to the airport and make other runs. You need to exit the vehicle now. Exit the vehicle. I'm like, wait a second. There's a protest. I don't, I can't just, where do you want me to go? I have my bags here. I'm like, I can't, I paid you to go to one place. You're telling me I have to go miles away. I don't know what I'm doing here. How many bags? My wife had, I had a backpack and a, a suitcase. Cynthia had a suitcase and a backpack. So not too many bags, but certainly not something I want to evacuate my car with well, in also, a foreign and, country. And you would presume that a protest in a vacation hotspot has something to do with vacationers, right? right? It's a protest involving the tourism industry. And thus, you're going to be walking in the middle of a protest as a tourist. Yeah. One would presume, well, I mean, maybe... Given your complexion, you can pull off not being a tourist, but no, I could not. I could not pull off not being a tourist with a bunch of suitcases. Right, fair enough. And the shirt I was wearing. <laughs> so, so I was very much going with a touristy vibe. In with some my ways, outfit. in some ways, you're crossing the picket line to get through this protest, and so I can't imagine you're thinking that you'll be terribly well received if you start walking through it. So I poke my head out from the car, and I could see the blockade, and sure as shit. The one road in, one road out is blocked off, talking with boulders in the streets and pieces of wood and people that don't look happy. And <laughs> this is getting to be a little scary. The person calls me back five minutes later and like, let's go. You got to get out of the car. I'm like, let me tell you something. I am not doing anything right now. <laughs> I am. It's not fair for you to tell me to do it. I am here on my 10-year wedding anniversary. <laughs> my wife is nervous. I'm not just going to go to some random hotel that's not my hotel and just be left to my own devices to figure it out. At least give me time to figure it out. So I start Googling with bad cell phone reception. I even called the U.S. Embassy Wow. to try to figure out. And the U.S. Embassy, very disappointed in you. <laughs> so disappointed in you. <laughs> got one person to answer my call and you put me on hold for 30 minutes when I was operating under very tense circumstances and I just said bleep this I have to figure this out so here's the solution that I came up with what would you do in this situation by the way go back to the airport He's, and fly home you would turn around and I'm go home done. which yeah. was Scared one of the shitless. things being because given the delta variant the fact that my daughter was a little sick not with COVID uh, but my daughter was a little sick in the days before. There was just a lot of bad juju surrounding this trip. Like, we shouldn't be coming here at this time in history. But this history, the, the history of this trip was we were supposed to go last year for a friend's 40th birthday to Tulum. It wouldn't have been our ideal location, especially given everything that's going on for her 10-year wedding anniversary. The way that it works is I paid everything up front, and I had to fight like a devil to just be able to keep my money and reservation. They're like, okay. You can, we're never going to give you your money back, but you have to come inside of a year. So this was the very last week that I could have done it. And I was looking at the NBA calendar and worked out. Game six was the the day before the, the whole thing uh, started. So I was fine. Sports calendar, perfect, perfect. Worked out there, not just not in terms of like personal life mm -hmm. because the timing of it wasn't great. But I really had to convince my wife to go on this trip. So she was going on a trip that she was slightly resenting. And now three hours into this trip, 
she's being told oh, by someone in, in a foreign language that she has to evacuate. It's a million degrees. A car in the middle of the road. Yeah, with all her stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> she's, she's almost crying. And so through Spanish, I found out, guys, I'm bilingual. I don't wow. know if you knew this about, about me. that? But it, through all this, uh, this stress, I figured out I can speak Spanish brilliantly. It was like, you know how you read these stories about a mom that lifts a car yes. over her head to save an infant child? That's basically me with the Spanish language when I'm under stress. Well, yeah, when you need it, you're, you're going to utilize this skill because otherwise you're stranded in a terrible... You're not going to be like, well, let me not try my Spanish because they might mock me. No, it's I need to try and communicate in this disastrous situation to get out of it. And all right, let me see how many words I have. I was basically Jorge Ramos <laughs> moderating a presidential debate in Spanish. I was... I was so beautifully eloquent with my Spanish language. I even picked up on a on a like local uh, vocal affect. Like mm. I was just, I was on it. Were you using guay or the, yeah, no mames? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just using <laughs> Mexican slang. I know Miami Spanish. I don't know <laughs> right. Which, by the way, when you were saying earlier that you're on the phone with someone, I don't think people who don't speak Spanish recognize that the various kinds of Spanish, Argentinian Spanish, Spanish, Spanish from Spain, uh, Mexican Spanish, other South America, like they're so different. The dialects are different. The slang is different. And so just because you understand the language doesn't necessarily, like I struggle sometimes to understand people who don't speak Colombian Spanish because for me, it's so clear. It's understandable. I've heard it at family functions. It makes sense to me. But from other countries, it does sound different to your ear. I can understand Dominicans. Cubans, <laughs> Puerto Ricans, and Colombians. Yeah. You put an Argentinian in front of me here, <laughs> they might as well be speaking Mandarin to me. I can't understand that. And it's easier for me to understand someone if I have them in person. But if it's over the phone, mm. they're speaking fast, and I don't have body language to go with it, so I can't, I can't connect the dots sometimes because I'll pick up every third word and if i don't have a hand gesture that goes along with it I'm, I'm missing stuff so are you telling them like can you slow down a little bit my spanish yeah. is, is yeah. okay yeah but i kind of up until like it took me a minute to warm up but i was really struggling to find the right words initially right so especially i would say tiempo tiempo <laughs> and i would say it like it's like why am i talking like uh an american ordering a taco bell asking yeah, for yes queso <laughs> i was like tiempo por favor and I was like, mike you're cuban you can do Dude, this I, I go so up and down with that particularly when i do like i did an mls broadcast last night some guys i'm throwing the hispanic flourish on and then someone's like francisco calvo and it's like what am i doing like can, can i pick an accent lane it's it was almost as if I'm expected to speak Spanish this way because of the shirt that I am wearing. <laughs> so uh, instead right. of it, I'll, you feel like you're a tourist in a foreign land, and so it's like, yeah. well, I speak. Tiempo, it por favor. Yeah, mi like, esposa está nerviosa. <laughs> like I was doing that a little bit, but then I got the hang of it because I needed to negotiate a deal with my driver mm. because my driver's getting straight up yelled at. They're telling him he needs to go to the airport. I'm trying to explain to him like, where you got to go, buddy. We're kind of screwed here. Right. You're going to go pick someone else to, to then drop them back off in this, this exact same spot. So my driver, who was a saint, by the way, I I kept calling him amigos because he told me his name. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I tipped Stressful him situation. very well. So 
we're stuck in this jam and obviously no one's on the other side of the of the road because no one's getting out so my amigo like i'm talking to him i'm like can we get a little closer to see exactly like how bad is because if i have to walk to tulum which from my gps which was struggling the place i needed to get to was four and a half miles away Hmm. that is a very long walk in normal circumstances, not a hundred degree weather, not carrying bags, not with my wife that is so pissed she listened to me to come to this trip. Because I'm navigating that too. Yeah. Fellas, if you've ever been married, just saying. Well, like, or even <laughs> just like I'm not married, but like dragging your friends along to something that's going poorly. Yeah. You feel such a weight. I'm so of, invested. Such a bird. Right, exactly. I'm so invested in this thing working out because I had to convince you I had to sell this. So my driver goes into drives over a grassy median and then he puts it in reverse and there are some oncoming cars and he's just navigating we drive about a mile and a half to the blockade yeah like this is legit this is nervous this is like grainy footage that you would see on the evening news at some remote place yeah Richard Angle is reporting live yeah yeah yeah. Uh, this would be a stand-up shot to a, a like a CNN correspondent wearing a, a khaki vest type. Of yeah, deal. yeah, yeah. They're pretty pissed. These people are displaced. I don't know anything about the geopolitical situation and the eviction zone in Tulum, but I could gather they were being displaced from their homes. And regardless of the circumstances surrounding that, I understand they're coming from a place of frustration if they're being evicted from their homes. And that's all I got out of that. But they were trying to very clearly affect the tourism industry there because that's how they'll get people's attention. Now, there was a police presence uh, outside of the blockade, but they were letting the protesters do their thing. And I asked my driver if there was any way he could talk to some of the people and get a gauge for exactly how violent or nonviolent this protest is because I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to walk a mile in the other direction to the nearest hotel that's probably got to be packed to the gills with tourists trying to figure out the same stuff. Part of me was already considering that because at the very least, I know I could find some other Americans maybe and maybe share some information and come to some sort of solution. We found a car while I'll ride. So I had the person go out, my driver go out and talk to people. And meanwhile, it's just me and my wife alone. I'm still on hold with the U.S. Embassy. And then... I start getting a little nervous because there are people that are looking pretty piss off walking past the car. And I realize the keys are in the ignition. I don't know what anybody's intentions are. I like the doors. Uh, I, and people are upset. I saw one car try to make it through. They threw rocks at that car. But also, I saw tourists, 19-year-old Instagram models, <laughs> like carrying their bags over their heads and and protesters left them alone. And so I had an hour sample of people walking past me on the sidewalk being totally unbothered by it. They only got bothered when there was a car trying to go through there. My driver confirmed this. So I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. Because now we're two and a half miles away. It's going to take me at a large part of this day. But if worse comes to worse, I can follow my GPS. and I could walk to this hotel. So I bounce it off Cynthia and she's like, I'm not cool with this. I'm like, maybe there are some taxi drivers on the other side 
that have places to go to, and, and they've been totally inconvenienced by this. Maybe there's empty taxi cabs on the other side. So I send the driver out again, and he confirms there's like a 7-Eleven over there, and there's just like seven taxi cabs parked. He didn't talk to any of them, but there's a shot here. So Cynthia and I, we look at each other, and we, we put our bags over our heads, and we go on our way. And I pay the, the driver, who I've already paid $20 just for his time, $20 American, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 pesos. And I'm like, can you walk with us to those taxi cab drivers? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He feels bad for us too. And he could have been a total jerk about this. His day was ruined and he has someone that's refusing to leave the car. He was a saint about this. He even carried Cynthia's bag. And we walked to the 7-Eleven and then... Your buddy Jorge Ramos over here starts negotiating <laughs> some deals with some drivers that tell me they'll do it for 30 bucks American. And I say goodbye to my driver and I'm going to another driver and I don't know what anybody's thinking. I'm nervous. I'm already like coming at it from a point where I'm just nervous about everything. I'm just skeptical about everything because I've my plans have been thrown into a tizzy. But luckily, I my Spanish didn't betray me. And I got into this taxi cab and we eventually got to where it is that we were going. And anytime I'll tell the story from here on out, I'll be like Leo and Blood Diamond, just like such a hero. <laughs> there was one person in the protest that said, get him. And I, I would just turned around and I, I, I talked my way out of it with a Spanish flourish. I, I embedded myself with the protest. I'm basically Ethan Hunt. And, <laughs> but it was really, really scary for a little bit. And I, my wife was really nervous about everything. But we got through the blockade. And then we ended up having a wonderful time. And I got the shits. But it was worth it. It was very romantic. <laughs> yeah, the, the front and the rather literal back end Yeah, uh, did, did not seem pleasant. But middle, middle, nice time? Middle was amazing. But at that very beginning, Chris. Yeah. Oh my God! Did I want to be in SeaWorld? You were longing for SeaWorld. Oh, SeaWorld! <laughs> did I want? I wanted SeaWorld in the worst way. They give you one free beer a day. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's an Anheuser Busch. Yeah, park. so it's got to be an Anheuser yeah. beer. But you don't get it. Like they just had Yingling. Like I think they they changed what beer specifically it is. But I got a free Yingling in a little tiny cup. But that was the big perk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could have used a beer at that moment too. Yeah. I, he did offer me a beer, my driver. <laughs> he did, now that I think of it. Wow. He had a cooler in there. He gave also my wife a water. weirdly, yeah. All right, so. Awesome. <laughs> it was a Corona, but it was a tiny bottle. I'm like, oh, how do we have these like little cocktail parties? Your driver gave you Corona? <laughs> I was going to make this. No, no my driver offered me Corona, <laughs> to which the antibody shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what part of this made you the most nervous? Because as you were telling the story, for me, I was preparing. So you're like, you're getting ready to talk to protesters in Spanish. The entire time I'm thinking, what would I, I'm formulating Spanish thoughts in my head of what I would have said. And I'm like, I'm sorry, all right, what's that word? And what's that word? And what's that word? And I'm just struggling with the language of it. So I was Googling phrases mm. in my translate for when I was not necessarily sure of what it is I was uh, I was going to say. So when my driver came back to the car, I, I did translate a sentence in English, but then I could read. I could read Spanish fine, and I could put mm -hmm. the right uh, phonetics behind it. So there was one time where I had to use Google Translate once, but I already knew what it was that I was going to ask him, mm -hmm. and I, I jumped from there. But yeah, I was... I was nervous, but oddly enough, the most nervous on 
on that trip wasn't the the blockade. It was the COVID test mm. that I was awaiting. And I wasn't even so much worried about Mexico. I was worried about Florida because I had been in one of the COVID hotspots in the, in the world at the time. And I didn't need a test to go there. Getting there turned out to be an adventure, but I was more worried about coming back because we had a sick baby. Mm. We had to quarantine for 10 to 14 days. This does not, how's not a, time for a character assassination. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just said like, oh yeah, yeah, acknowledging that you're, that's so sad. So we had to take a COVID test in order to come back to the United States. Or so we read because I got a bone to pick. I don't know whose policy this is, but I was told American Airlines, you needed a negative test to come back into the country. And I filled out all the COVID questionnaires. I took the COVID test. I, I downloaded the app and what you put, you upload your, your negative COVID test. My wife was really nervous about it Saturday night. We were dreading the results of this because we didn't know. We're vaccinated. We both have had it. We feel pretty confident about our antibodies, but there are a lot of people that have been careful and still test positive for the Delta variant. And I go to the airport two days later, knowing that I had that very stressful day awaiting these test results. And the lady at the terminal is like, oh, we're no longer requiring a negative test. <laughs> what? Oh I was like, why not? Right. <laughs> I, I put it all this You really should be. Can you uh, just look at it just yeah. to make me feel better? I need it. I need it. I'm still carrying it around. I do like the peace of mind of after the fact, like, for two months, it's like I, I went to the first day of training camp. And let me tell you, the, a lot of zip on that ball from Tua. <laughs> it's like, oh, I tested negative last week. I do. It's a peace of mind thing, but the hell we can't just have a COVID policy and be like at the gate. Like, nah, we're not requiring that anymore, but we're apparently not. We're just saying we are, but we're not. And I was always kind of like, my friends told me, don't worry about the COVID test in Mexico. I'm like, what do you mean? And they would just look at me with like a wry smile. Don't worry about the COVID test in Mexico. I'm like, oh, I, I see what you're getting at. Because when we flew into the airport in Cancun, we were trying to find our shuttle and they have like a whole tourism section there where people from the government pull you aside and they act super helpful. But at the very end, they try to sell you a timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> but only in this case, it wasn't. I'm like, what? why is this person being so helpful? And the whole like 10 minute pitch was just to convince us Americans to not take photos of their beaches. And if we were to go to a beach, go to this beach because the seaweed isn't bad at this time of the year. Because the seaweed is uh, kind of bad in certain parts of yeah. Was it bad in your Yucatan. area? Man, my, my hotel was so on it. Like very early in the morning, they have the bulldozers out there and they have like a like an eight-man team just raking it up. Really? Yeah. Jealous. Just oh. constantly. Now, it's not the most relaxing thing in the world to see a bulldozer <laughs> like yeah. pass you by every now and then, but... By Sunday, the ocean was pretty clear of it. We actually got to go in the water. Also, they had this, uh, they had military people occasionally patrolling the beach with like assault rifles. Not terribly relaxing, that. Huh. No, and I think they're trying to project like you're safe here. It was total opposite of that for me. <laughs> yeah. It really, this happened to me when I was in uh, France for Bastille Day. Mm. They just had our military walking around the Eiffel Tower and stuff. I'm like, this is very unsettling. I'm, I'm, am I supposed to feel more safe here? Because I don't. Thank you. 
That'll do it for this week's edition of Mystery Crate. Check out it's all the Joe other Will. podcasts <laughs> on the Lebetard and Friends Podcast Network. Stupidity, Southbeat Sessions, Cinephile yes, produced. Please. For the love of God, download that podcast. Oh, my. The Jim Brockmeyer podcast as well has just recently ended its run with season finale guest J.K. Simmons. Check that out as well. The Dan Lebetard Show with Stu Gatz podcast as well. Check it all out. We'll talk to you next week. Smith-tana. The playoffs have started in basketball and hockey, and there's really only one way that I can enjoy it. For me, drinking Miller Lite while the action is going on makes the game that much more exciting and that much more delicious. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. So what do you look for in a light beer? Great taste? Or less filling. For me, it's great taste and less filling. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com crate, C-R-A-T-E. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.